My name is Danny Mower and welcome to At The Source. This interview style podcast brings you meaningful conversations and interesting topics from all around the world so that we can learn about our neighbors, this crazy thing called life, and ultimately bring more awareness into our daily experiences. I deeply believe in the art of open communication. So this podcast is really the product of me going to the source of whatever conversation or topic we're having and asking all kinds of questions, both for you and for me to understand more. That's how I roll. I ask a lot of questions and I hope you find inspiration in these conversations and start to ask deeper questions in your own life. Let this be your weekly dose of curiosity and contemplation. And without further ado, enjoy the show. Okay, welcome to the podcast, Amanda. Um, This is Amanda Hoig. She's a dear friend of mine, and we've known each other for two plus three? I think three three years. years. Wow, that's great. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, And we've gotten, we live close to each other, and uh, I have a high contact with you and your family and your kids. Mm-hmm. Our day-to-days intertwine. They do, and that is really glorious, and I'm really happy, <laughs> like, on a soul level to mm-hmm. experience that, mm-hmm. and I think you're a beautiful light in this world, and you make everyone feel so included, so I'm really happy to have you on this podcast to Yay. share a little bit about your story and your life. Yeah, I'm super happy to be here. This is fun. Thank yeah. you for having me. Um, so... Go ahead and tell our listeners just a little bit about you before we start. Okay. Uh, My name is Amanda. I live in Midcoast, Maine with my family. I've got a partner and four children, two from a previous relationship, two from a current relationship. And mostly what that means is that I have one child in every developmental age group. Yeah. That part is significant. (laughs) That's what I'm trying to point out here. Yes. Yes. (laughs) My oldest is 16 and my youngest just turned two last week. And it's a nice range, but when it comes to families or parenting or, um, getting anything done or, you know, attending to my own needs versus my family needs. It's a really, um, complex, flowy thing. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. It can be a lot and it can also, I'm so grateful for it. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a beautiful journey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm just taking us sitting down and interviewing. It's, you know, it's been kind of a, We've got a, you've been gracious to get a a babysitter so we can have, Mm -hmm. you know, an uninterrupted time because when we're, you know, anybody who has kids or is around kids knows that they, they like the attention, (laughs) they like the attention, they they have needs, (laughs) all of a sudden they have a boo-boo, right? As you're about to speak your words. Yep. Or they they see the energy shift. Yeah. They Mm -hmm. see the energy shift and they're like, huh. How does this make me feel? Let me let me jump in too, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So that's fun to play with. It is. So it's been mm-hmm. it's been great to have you here. Yeah. And um For me too. <laughs> great. Some uninterrupted lovely time together. Thank yes. you. Thank you. Um so I wanted to talk to you today specifically about ADHD. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know that you have your own experience with it. You have children who experience it. Um, I've never been diagnosed, but I believe that I experience it in different ways and different manifestations. Yeah. And yeah, and you're starting to do more with it um, in a business sense. And so I just wanted to talk to you because you know, you know more about it than yeah, I do. Thank so. you. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun to kind of... Um even for me to think about like, oh, what do I know? That's mm-hmm. great. So um, I identify with having ADD, ADHD. What I think the clinical diagnosis is ADHD in- inattentive type for, for myself. So it's, it's um, and it, they label it as an attention deficit disorder, which... <sighs> Pro first person language is lame. It's trying, you know, you try to say, you try not to make the diagnosis what you are, right? Mm -hmm. It it would be great also to not call it a disorder. It's just a difference like any other thing. Um, So there's a big 
shift right now um, to just be more accepting or have better, you know, pro positive language, recognizing our differences, because like anything else, it's a spectrum, right? Right. You're saying you've never been diagnosed and you, you have these moments, people at work or, you know, in a traditional work setting or a school setting, they'll say, oh man, I just had an AD, I'm being so ADD right now. Mm -hmm. But they like have no idea what, you know, an actual, if your neurochemistry is literally wired in a certain way that just, um, it comes with so many pros and so many hardships and it's mm -hmm. um it just takes more attention yeah to do more more intention to do the things that you want to focus on um and make come true so for example um i started my coaching business a couple of years ago where i really want to share the information about people with add and offer support in a way that can feel really um, proactive and wholesome and empowering. I decided to call my business against a number of recommendations, actually. Uh, F ADHD, <laughs> EF ADHD, which is um, also kind of a tribute to EF standing for executive functioning. Mm. And also, I toyed with EF for empowering families. Mm -hmm. So just kind of narrowing it down to like, what what is it that I I want to offer? And it and it has everything to do with just that, like empowering families to to F ADD, like <laughs> yeah. F off. Like it's not. It doesn't have to take over your whole life, and you don't have to feel. At times, it's so easy to feel overburdened and overwhelmed, and kind of like you're suffocating. There's also, um, you know, a lot of research around sensitivity, like rejection sen sensitivity disorder, I want to say, like RSD. When, when you have this, um, a lot of people with ADD have it. It's like when things are going well, you are high as a kite. Mm -hmm. And when the tiniest piece of sand gets in your shoe, mm -hmm. when the tiniest comment gets under your skin, it's like the whole world is falling apart. Mm -hmm. And so it's that... Um, ebb and flow of your emotional well-being to be able to brush off the stuff that doesn't go well to not judge yourself so harshly with your self-talk um, when things are harder and to know too that there's nothing to cure mm. I think that's something like for example so I myself have a formal diagnosis and my 16 year old have a formal diagnosis has that and my 13-year-old daughter does not, but she talks a lot about wondering if she has ADD. And if she does, it would be the hyperactive yeah. type, right? Yeah. And, and you know her. I know. Like, you're nodding. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, uh, super forgetful, super not paying attention, just, like, totally in the moment. Woohoo! And, um... She's got other stuff going on, too, but it's just this... Uh, she's very different than Amelia and I. Amelia and I uh, kind of present... I would say in a more typical way that ADD presents with women, fe females, children, and adults. It's more, it, which is not the typical thought or stereotype around what ADD looks like in terms of a wired six-year-old boy. Mm. Um, Can you explain the difference? Yeah. So, well... Well, just for you, like, what what do you think of when you think of ADD? When people say, oh, so-and-so's got ADD, what is it to you? What does it impact? The, yeah, uh, their ability to focus mm -hmm. and pay attention. And the way that I experience it is um, when <laughs> it's almost like my breath shortening in a way and my mind just jumping from mm -hmm. thing to thing to thing to thing to thing mm -hmm. and being unable to remain focused on one task. Sure. So I have something in mind and if I'm feeling really, I'm speaking with my hands right now, but like my brain is getting really chaotic and mm -hmm. I say, okay, I'm going to go do the dishes and I start mm -hmm. to do the dishes and then I turn around. I'm like, oh, I need to go take the trash out. And then mm -hmm. I go take the trash out and I start weeding the garden, you know, and then I'm like mm -hmm. not doing the dishes at mm -hmm. all. And that's, that's how I've experienced it. Mm -hmm. And so that's mm -hmm. kind of what I think about when I hear people, you know, with ADHD. I don't know if that's 
what you're talking about, but when I think about, like, a six-year-old boy who's wired, I think about, you know, he's not paying attention, he's in his own world, he's just kind of, like, manic. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's that manic feeling. What you're describing is one element, I think, of what I have experienced and or um, see in others. And I, you know, it's the give a mouse a cookie Mm. um, kind of reference. Like, you've read that book, the children's book? Oh, no. Wow. So if you give the book, if you give a mouse a cookie is all about if you give a mouse a cookie, then you have to he's going to say that he wants a glass of milk. And if you give him a glass of milk, he's going to get a milk mustache and you're going to show him in the mirror and he's going to notice the, that he has to trim his whiskers mm. and so on and so on and so on and so on yeah. until the end of the book. Then he is basically hungry and, oh, he hangs his, he gets to the point where he's hanging his picture on the refrigerator and it reminds him that he's hungry and he's going to want a, a thirsty and going to want a glass of milk. And if he gets a glass of milk, he's going to want a cookie to go with it. Mm-hmm. So it's that like one thing leads to the next, needs to the next without it being completed yeah. and things kind of unravel. If you don't finish and f- complete that whole loop, if, if you do finish and complete that whole loop, you got a shit ton done. Right. If you don't, You've got a lot of half-finished projects, and it looks like you did nothing from the outside in, right? Yeah. So when I talk about the way the ADD can present in women differently than men and boys, it it has to do with, like, I think the way culturally or societally that what women are expected to do or how they're expected to present, right? So the girl in the class who has, is uh, operating with an ADD brain, um, isn't jumping up and down and needing all the attention, isn't having a trouble sitting in her seat. She's daydreaming. Mm. She is within. And um, yes, she is all within herself. And so she's not paying attention because she's got dreams. Yeah. And she is finding them. and And not only that, something in front of her and around her environment may have made her think of something. And that thought is trailing off into this beautiful unfolding story or adventure or whatever in her mind. And she's either drawing it or doodling or just enjoying it, Mm -hmm. right? All in, unaware completely of what the other people in the room are doing or saying. Even if the other people are talking to her, she is clever enough over time to respond rotely yeah without knowing that she's agreed to something or not right and so she goes home uh the bell then the bell rings it startles her out of it right and she starts to leave the class she scoops things up because she doesn't want to miss the bus and she runs out of the room or whatever and she didn't write down the homework assignment and the paper that she's supposed to fill out for tomorrow for this thing that is really important to her is still in her desk Mm. and she gets home And then she's tired from trying to focus all day. So she like indulges herself in these other things that she loves, things that are of high interest, right? High input and or or crashes to sleep. So it's it's one or the other. It's like for me and I'll um, speak for Amelia, too, in my observations it's not really and we can focus like crazy. And people have said this more recently, like our focus can be hyper-focused, right? Yeah. It's not a problem of focus or attention on certain items. It's not impossible to do that. It's a matter of capturing the moment and focusing on what is most of priority. And it's a- and it's being able to balance a, a number of the challenges balancing a number of different very important things at the same time Mm. and because we want to give it our all it's really you know we do well we and we thrive with everything we have to offer the world and it's impossible for someone to stay quote-unquote on all the time Mm -hmm. in order to participate in daily functioning of american society Um, I would say, you know, United States, maybe first world society and expectations around things like timeliness or um, the speed at which things move or, you know, in our culture, we don't have built in rest, um, things, things like this to rejuvenate. So 
there are all these unspoken societal pressures that we don't even recognize we're trying to meet mm-hmm. um, that don't allow for the amount of reprieve that we require in order to function long term. Mm. So it's this ebb and flow of wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Oh my God, I'm so exhausted. I can barely move and I have way too much on my plate yeah. and I don't even know what to do but everything's about to come to a head time-wise and everything's due or everything happens all at once and now I'm going to freak out Mm. and I'm going to fall apart and I'm going to cocoon somewhere and either cry for help or let it all fall away or fail and feel like a failure or, or what, right? And so... What I've noticed most recently, what I've gotten really excited about lately is, you know, as a mother, I, it's easy to feel the natural desire to want more for your children than you have for yourself, to want better, right? Mm -hmm. And to feel so identified with what I'm witnessing as her experience to be like, I know exactly what you're thinking. I know exactly what you're feeling and I see the overwhelm and yet she's better. She's more equipped. She's she's had more supports, um, you know, and I'm so proud and slightly jealous of the fact that um, she's thriving as well as she is because, oh, my goodness, I get it. Right. Yeah. And they're within it, if especially if you're undiagnosed. You feel like such a, it's such it's so painful. Yeah. You feel like such a failure because you are so capable. You are so smart and so capable and you keep falling short. Yeah. And what is that? Mm -hmm. And and everyone tells you how much they love you and how amazing and brilliant you are and how how you're going to just soar in life. Right. And so then there's this expectation and this belief that you are amazing, which is totally true. And you keep failing behind the scenes. That is so interesting because... I feel, well, a few things in, in, in light of everything you said. One, I feel a personal connection to what you just said mm. because, um, you know, I went through the school system and did really well. Like, that was my arena mm-hmm. to do well. That's where I, you know, soared. Mm-hmm. Things were hard at home. I focused on my school. I focused on this is how I can prove myself. Mm -hmm. And so I got really good at playing the academic game, Mm. like pro, you know, straight A's through college, like since sixth Mm -hmm. grade, (laughs) you know, just like, I know how to play this game. I know what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. I know what to give you. doesn't matter if I've learned it. Mm -hmm. I know what to give you. Mm -hmm. So on one hand, coming out of that system and being like, I got my shit together. I know who I am. I'm really smart. I'm really intelligent. Like, I can do all these things. All of which is true. Yes. <laughs> and then going through life and one, being outside of that system and being so confused hmm. as to, wait, where am I getting my external validation now? Mm, exactly. Because I had it. External like, validation. Yeah. That is so necessary with this type of operating <laughs> system, right? Like, I had it handed to me mm-hmm. every time I turned something in. Like, A, you did it. Mm-hmm. A, you did it. And then post-college, I was like, I felt so dumb. Mm. And it took me, like, a year to realize I wasn't getting that same external validation. Yeah, that's so I felt dumb because someone wasn't telling me I'm smart. Right. Interesting. Which was like, wait a second. Yeah, right. What am I putting? Like, it was this whole moment where I was realizing how much I was putting, mm-hmm. you know, other people's uh, perceptions of me on a pedestal sure. and to tell me my worth. Sure. And then that compounded with like, different business ventures and like feeling this feeling in my heart that I want to, you know, share with people and talk about, you know, the universe and consciousness and just like, oh, all these fun things and, and, you know, learning about breath work and just being like, this is the best thing ever. Like everyone should know about this. Mm -hmm. And, and like attempting 
and I don't regret any of it. Like I've learned so much. And last year I, I, um, was proceeding with, you know, using breathwork as a business and, um, just kind of fell on my face a few times Mm. and was like, wait, what Mm -hmm. the fuck? I thought I was like good. I Mm -hmm. thought I had this in the bag. Right. And, and like with the ADHD thing, seeing how I'd open my computer and I have this intention of, okay, I want to, you know, write this blog post. Mm -hmm. Well, in order to write the blog post, I have to, you know, do this and then I have to do this. And I would just get in these quagmires of I'm doing like 40 things at one time and not finishing any of it. And then three hours goes past and I feel so burnt out because I've been staring at a computer screen, not in my element, you know, just trying Mm -hmm. to make things work. And just getting exhausted by the whole thing and just wondering, like, why am I failing so hard Mm -hmm. at this? Like, my heart is in it, but Mm -hmm. I'm like, what is going on? Mm -hmm. So it was really challenging for me to um, not have a whole lot of support within the business venture and then having like, external support from other people, um, because I was mainly doing it by myself, and then having, you know, this, like, failure narrative Mm -hmm. online, because I wasn't getting any external validation. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I did a few workshops, and that was great, and I did Mm -hmm. get, you know, like, feedback, and people loved it, but then I tried to go online, and it just was not working. Yeah. And so it's been interesting in the time past... Like, I took time away from it. I didn't focus on it. I just kind of, like, cleared my head of it. And then um, I've been nannying more since and this passion of, like, for kids and seeing potential, right? Like, the same thing that you were talking about with families is, like, I see your potential. I want you to grow. Mm-hmm. Here's some tools that have helped me mm-hmm. learn how to manage my chaotic inside mm-hmm. so that I can do something mm-hmm. external that helps people. Yeah, so valuable. Yeah. And what's changed and so then wanting to bring breathwork into that and what's changed is now like I have more structural support and I have so, like I've hired someone to help me mm-hmm. and that is like so big mm-hmm. that's helped me so much like get out of my head and just like hey can you help me with this that's the thing like that's the thing with ADD it's like executive functioning thrives in structured situations. Mm. If you're required to build your own structure around yourself to make something happen, you feel like a total idiot. Yes. Because (laughs) you logically know how to do it. You could probably even help someone else. Right. You could provide structure for someone else to do something that they need to do. Yeah. But for some reason, that's, that's the creative link in the mind of an ADD person is that it doesn't the framework is different it's it's flexible mm-hmm. it's bendy and it doesn't hold containers strong enough there's no in you're talking about external validation there's no internal motivation for you to hold your structure yourself because you also have to neurologically hold the structure in your mind while you're doing the actions and mm. the function. And you can create the structure if you want to. You could write it down even, kind of superficially on the side for you. But as soon as it leaves your head, your creative processes take over. Yeah. And you no longer are holding container for yourself and your brain is looking for excitement, mm-hmm. honestly. It's also looking for path of least resistance, mm-hmm. and it's looking for ease. Mm-hmm. And all those things that we don't have strength in, the mere process of gaining external support and structure changes tenfold. Yeah. So. For example, you talked about um, basically you compensate. You you, compens- you compensated in a way for school that really rocked it. You know how to play the game. And the reason it was exciting, too, is because it was a game. Yeah. You know, like and you mastered it and you're awesome and you kept getting that positive feedback. Yeah. And I'm working with a family right now um, 
parents called about their 13 year old daughter and she's very bright she's very friendly she's a wonderful person uh, a smart student um, they're concerned about XYZ right and you know she had maybe 37 missing assignments with six weeks left to the school year. Wow. Can you come help her? <laughs> Just, we're, we're, we have a few other children. We've got animals. We have jobs. Like, can you just help her get out of this? And so, I mean, that's the kind of work that I do and love is like show, just holding space for people who have things that they want to accomplish and feel like they're unable to execute. Right. Because of whatever's going on for them in their natural rhythms, their their brain structures. And in that family, the mom and dad both gave stories of the mom in college, like totally acing it, everything. Right. She knew those things were hard. And so like you, it sounds she decided to rock it and got all the validation. And it was important to her. Mm -hmm. It was a value. Yeah. And. When I chat with this girl, um, she actually is not, has yet to make the connection between doing well in school and, and working hard on, to learn something on a, an assignment or a project and feeling successful later. Because basically mm. the reason she's not doing any of it is because it's just not important to her. Right. It doesn't matter. Like, and it's true. The age that she's at, school um, here in the States is set up so that everything is fully... You're being held, basically, until middle school. And in middle school, they start shifting the responsibility to you. And as soon as that happens, things start popping up. For me, it was 10th grade high school. Hmm. I was an A student until then. And then anytime there was a long-term assignment, <laughs> flat on my face. Yeah. If I had any of those standardized testing that was timed, I would not write anything. I wouldn't start writing until there was 10 minutes left. Hmm. And then I would knock out an ace essay. Hmm. That's when... My teacher came to my mom and was like, hey, maybe maybe there's something up because this kind of keeps happening. Um, she's really brilliant. I don't understand why I don't have these assignments. And I got tested for ADHD at the time. And I failed the test. I had been so, I compensated so well that I didn't even show. And so they ruled it out. And so I had ruled it out and just thought that I wasn't trying hard enough or didn't do well. Well... With this girl, I kept saying, like, what is important to you? And she gave me her top ten, what's important to her. And it was beautiful. Mm. And it was awesome to share with her folks because her and her mom actually struggle a lot personality-wise. They clash mm. because they're so much the same. <laughs> and and it, and so it was like a really a real gift for her mom to be able to see her top ten and to see that, like, her family was, like, one of those top three. Mm-hmm. And... Then I said, you know, what do you want later? And she's like, well, really, I just want to be successful and have a nice house. And I was like, what does it take to be successful? And she said, well, I want some money so that the life is easy. And I said, oh, how are you going to get the money? And she goes, oh, of course I'm going to go to an Ivy League school. And I went, hold on. What do you, first of all, that's interesting train of thought. Right. But you've been telling me for the last hour you don't care about school and it's not important to you. And all of a sudden... You just clicked into, I want to go to an Ivy League school. So the connections also with time and space for someone with ADD are very different. Yeah. And it, especially in a young mind, younger mind like that, um, you're really, the way I've seen it presented and the way it comes for me is that it's open, open enough that anything's possible magical thinking is involved and until you're in the moment being asked about things to bring it outside of yourself and outside of your mind you don't always make the connections that seem really straightforward and obvious even Mm. to yourself once you say them like oh duh that's so obvious why didn't I think of that well it's because you've just been holding them in your brain in different parts of your brain and you haven't connected them together yet Mm. and so for example a tool for me is for me to check in with someone before I've got something big coming up just to talk about it because they tend to naturally ask questions. And when I start answering the questions, I go, oh, shoot, that means I have to X, Y, Z before ahead of time. Interesting. You know? Yeah. But I wouldn't have done that had I not had the conversation. And I'm not sitting there having them go, okay, what do I need to do before I do that thing? Simply the conversation, I think because it's a visual memory, it's Mm. like when someone says, oh, when you go camping next week, 
um, where, where do you guys camp? And then I say, oh, where are we camping? And then I'm visually in my mind picturing the story of us going camping. And when I see myself walking to the place or unpacking, then I can see the things that I need to unpack. Yeah. And then I go, oh, that means I need to bring this, this, and this. But I wouldn't have necessarily thought ahead about that hmm. unless I was bringing it into my storyline. Right. That's why if you want to remember something, you know, having... That's why so many ADD people leave stuff out and about. Their projects, stuff that they want to get done, mm. out of sight, out of mind. Mm. So something even that you're not... That you've been holding for two years and it's been in the corner for two years. Yeah. It's because if you put it away, it will never exist again. And... Wow. But you really want to get to it. But you're not getting it to it because other things are, you know, more more pressing and calling to you. So... But it's that visual, like, indicator. That's how you are remembering to hop back on track or get to something. That's so interesting. Yeah. I feel like I've seen... Well, there's so, like, as you're speaking, I'm seeing similarities in myself. I'm seeing similarities in your daughters, you know, just Mm -hmm. the different um, ways it's expressed and going back, you know, a little bit in our conversation of the the types of, like, holding it in and and having this whole internal world Mm. and blocking out what's happening in the external, like, your 13-year-old, you know, it's just like whoa, I've seen that, you know, mm-hmm. been having a conversation with her when she's in that. Mm-hmm. And and so, and so I have to remind myself, you know, when I'm in that, because on one hand, I'm, I'm thinking, you're being really rude. Right. You're not listening. Yeah. But then on the other hand, I'm... If she knew at all that she was being rude, she would snap the heck out of it and be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Right. What, what do you need? What can I do for you? Yeah. yeah. And then knowing also that there's a different way that she's you know, experiencing and processing. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's, that's really interesting. And then with, um, Amelia, the, the being able to like, and with yourself of being able to focus and do the things, but then to a point where it's not a healthy balance. Mm. And so it's this extreme overwhelm Mm. that eventually has a breakdown. Yeah, definitely. So, and it also presents very inconsistently, right? So, mm. my partner, my husband, who is very type A and not terribly neurodivergent, <laughs> it sees me strive to complete something or get better at something that we decide that we want better at our house, let's say. Well, we do it, it's great, it's awesome. And then the next week, it's back to however it was or something, and it's not consistently executed. Mm. And he feels so confused because he's so linear. He's like, wait, we mastered that one. How are we going back? What's happening? Wait, we cleaned that room together and now it's a total chaos. Wait, um, we, we folded and put away all the clothes and now we're back to piles again. Like what's Mm -hmm. happening? What's stopping you from putting these back the way it was, you know, whatever it is. And so there's so many tools and strategies that people like myself can access to overcome things like this when you understand how your mind works naturally. So the clothes one is always huge for someone with ADD, right? Like folding and putting on my clothes is the most mundane thing ever, right? And that's why piles work really well, but people don't like to see piles around. It looks dirty or bad, you know, wrinkly or something. So some of my girls work better with baskets. Another one, I got um, essentially a bookshelf and she rolls them and stacks them on top of each other so she can see everything all at once. That's the big one. Hmm. Dressers, if you put clothes away in a dresser, they don't exist. Hmm. They're no longer there. Like, and to see what you need to see to choose an outfit, you end up pulling them all out and then they never go back, Hmm. you know? So dressers are like, I would say for someone, again, like myself or whatnot, dressers are more for functional items like socks and underwear Mm. or camisoles, like undershirts or something, right? Or sweaters. Sometimes sweaters are bulky enough and there's only so many of them that you can see them when you open the drawer or whatever. And you just know those are where my sweaters are. But everything else, tops and bottoms, you got to be able to see them to Mm -hmm. function. 
and to have it look nice for the other people in your family or for guests or for whatever expectation you have for yourself, you know, there are other ways to go about it. But when it comes to tools and strategies and systems, the biggest thing or the biggest barrier, because once you have them, you can know what you know. Yeah. And you can teach others about it. It's the slowing down enough to access it Mm -hmm. on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And if you can slow down enough routinely, right? The inconsistency is the hard part. If you can get yourself to have multiple tools to access slowing down, then you can access this whole array Mm. of tools and strategies that are super helpful and help you not feel overwhelmed and help you not feel like you're hitting your head against the same damn wall all the time. Yeah. You know? And I think that's where something like your work comes in with Mm -hmm. breath work. It's really, you know, someone who's always on the move or always in response mode, Mm -hmm. always fire putting out mode. Yeah. They don't, they can say, oh, I've got big intentions to meditate. Oh, I love meditation when I actually do it. It's the sitting down to do it and actually following through that's the hardest part, right? Mm-hmm. So pinning that to something else, really. Like so many people try to say, oh, you know, like brush. it's like brushing your teeth. You do it every day. Do you know how many people do not brush their teeth every day? <laughs> like that is the worst example because especially for people who are neurodivergent, it's like there are sensitivities to like getting wet. There's mm. sense of, you know, the textural stuff. There's all, whatever it is, you know, the taste, yeah. anything like that. And, and routine is just like out the window. Mm. Like, so you have to find something that is routine for you. That's mm-hmm. very natural. And then pin it to it mm-hmm. in order to build on those small habits mm. that don't necessarily have to do with brushing your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, of the, I think at this point in my own practice and in my own experience, I, and I don't always catch it right away, but I have enough self-awareness to recognize when I'm starting to spiral. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'm in it for a little while before I even see it, Mm -hmm. but I know what my you know, what my fight or flight feels like. Mm. I know what anxiety feels like. I know what that stress response feels like in my body. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's very minute, so it takes longer to to sense. Acknowledge it, yeah. And acknowledge it. But when it starts to ramp up, I'm like, whoa! And that's when I start breathing with with intention. Yeah. And slowing down and recentering because once I do that, even if it's just like literally two minutes, Mm -hmm. two minutes of changing your breath, of breathing deeply, Mm -hmm. completely, it it can shift you out of a fight or flight response and into that rest and digest contemplative creative space. Totally. So I think it's really interesting that when, when people are in that response mode, like you're talking about putting out fires all the Mm -hmm. time and then you know, usually there's a sense of I can never finish something. There's this like recognition of this pattern keeps happening and I can't control it. Mm -hmm. But there's never that pausing, Mm -hmm. breathing, Mm -hmm. recognition of how you're acting and how you're reacting to things. The recognition Mm of, you know, I'm never slowing down enough to make a different action, to create a different result. Like, I, f- I find that really interesting that we, we're in these loops, and until we can kind of pause and slow down, then we can't really change much. Well, it sounds counterintuitive, too. Like, if you have so much on your plate that you can't move, slowing down does not seem like a good idea. How is it even possible to get X amount of stuff done before you know, in a certain amount of time, slowing down seems like, oh, shoot, we got to speed up here. Yeah. Right. And that slowing down, like that's where your creative solutions exactly. come in. Exactly. So it's like, oh, 
I'm feeling like, like say someone's coming to the house mm. and I'm trying to clean everything and get it all prepped. If I continue in my, you know, chaotic, I need to clean, mm. like get out of my way. Mm-hmm. Try Me try to do it all. Like I'm just going to burn myself out and then yeah. be resentful of the person coming. Exactly. But if I slow down even for five minutes mm-hmm. and I come out of that and I'm in a much more grounded space, I can recognize, okay, maybe I don't need to, you know, fold Fold the laundry in a bedroom that nobody's going to see. Yeah. You know, yeah. or I can ask for help from this person mm-hmm. and they can do this and, mm-hmm. and opening up to creative solutions, yeah. which I think is, um, yeah, really important to, mm-hmm. to recognize it. And I wanted to ask you, you know, you're talking about being with your partner and the question of the laundry mm. comes in and yes, you have these tools and you know, but what does that feel? feel like for you when someone who isn't as neurodivergent Mm. comes in with this why why you know Mm -hmm. why is this happening Mm -hmm. what the is that still hard for you or is that yeah no I think I think that's a great question um can I put a pin there for a second because I have a lingering thought about something you said Mm -hmm. I just want to highlight when you talk about slowing down and interrupting the loop so you can actually move forward with more intention and in a greater capacity, um, that it can be easily confused with giving up and burying your head mm. and for, for the person who is um, experiencing it. So what I mean is that pot, rest is always welcomed and important, right? The the thing that really gets us all so stuck is the shame spiral, Mm. the feeling of shame. And this will connect well with what you just asked. So we could easily lump together without talking it all out and Mm -hmm. figuring it out. We could easily lump together. There are days when I just kind of give up and say, forget, I put on my blinders. There's too much input. I don't I can't focus on anything, all of it. So I'm going to focus on nothing Mm -hmm. and I'm going to crawl in bed and I'm going to scroll my phone or I'm going to turn on the AC. I'm going to give myself comfort basically. Mm -hmm. And that's totally okay. If that's what you need in the moment. I just want to highlight that that is different than intentionally slowing down somatically, like in your body to proceed and there's also a lot of potential shame in the laying in the bed and divulging, you know, indulging yourself in this rest scenario, which again is totally fine by whoever's, doesn't matter whose standards. If it's what you want and need, do it and take it. Yeah. Before I understood any of this stuff, I used to have my friends smush me. I would lay, I would, I just, I needed just the input and I think it would literally slow me down. I, and it would slow my breathing down. Like, like Like physically get on top of me and smush the crap out of me until I can't take it basically. Wow. And I think that's how I got my slowdown need met and how I could feel better. But I didn't know that that's what I was doing, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, but it's a way to slow down and get into my body and slow my breathing because I need to be measured because weight is upon me, Mm -hmm. et cetera. So... You talked about, um, right, the partner or someone who is in our lives that are uh, more neurotypical and, and their beliefs and the things that they say to us or, or they, they all love us mm-hmm. and they all want us to do well and they want to understand. And yet it is so hard, which is why I'm so excited you're doing this type of conversation with people to share. Like, it's so hard to truly understand that person's not being lazy. That person's not being distractible. That person, not intentionally, you know, they're not flighty or flaky mm. or, you know, everything, all behavior has meaning. Mm. It's all got a purpose. And when we can stop ourselves from judging others' actions and get curious, when we can get curious about it for the other person, it is a respectful thing to do and it's really honoring and meeting that person where they're at, which I think is so key and is a real treasure to offer. So my partner tries hard to not be judgmental, but he also, I don't know if he would acknowledge this himself. I see him having anxiety when things are chaotic around him. Mm. 
And so out of respect to my partner, I strive very hard to keep certain areas of our home not chaotic, at peace, so that after he's done being out and about in the world and he comes home, he can feel at ease and not feel totally anxiety-stricken. Right. That being said, it's very hard for me, especially with, like, two children (laughs) under the age of five and some very creative teenagers, like, to keep everything in order. Yeah. Not to mention my own stuff about whatever order or not order I keep myself. Yeah. So all of that combined leaves me efforting a lot. Yeah. Very effortful. When we talk heart to heart, he talks about wanting to be supportive and wanting to help. At one point, we came up with a plan. He always says, we, have, we need a plan. And I'm always kind of like rolling my eyes, my eyes because it's like, you think I don't have plans? What do you think I do all day? Like, are you kidding me? You think writing it down is going to help? It might, actually. But the point is, I feel judged, like, as if he knows better than me mm-hmm. how to do it. Well, he's actually very successful at that type of stuff, and it's a strength of his. He can come home and whip through a room in 20 minutes and have it look really great. And then I'm kind of, not only do I feel jealous and grateful, but I feel guilty Mm. and like shit Mm -hmm. because he can do it and I can't. And he's making it look like I could have just done that and I didn't. And what's my problem? He doesn't think any of those things, luckily, but it freezes me a little bit and I act angry Mm -hmm. without intentionally meaning to. And then I go, geez, why am I acting angry? What's up with me? And then I go, oh, I'm feeling uncomfortable that I feel like he thinks these things. And, and I'm feeling bad about myself. And what am I contributing anyway to the relationship if, if he goes out and works all day and then comes home and cleans at home? Like, what have I done? Well, mm. Who am I? What's happening? And that can get into a really funky loop, right? Oh, totally. Yeah, deep. So when he says, hey, babe, I want to support you with your clothes. What do you need? When he says, what do you need? I feel empowered. I go, Ugh, I've been trying this stuff. I just haven't gotten to it. You know what I really need? I need a friend to sit with me and just talk to me. They can fold stuff if they want to. Let's say it's clothes. Mm-hmm. They, they can do the action with me if they wanted to, but they don't have to. It's merely a presence. It is the executive functioning outside my body sitting down with me. Mm. I can do anything. When I have someone who cares about me or knows me at all, maybe a stranger. I've never tried it with a stranger. That would be fascinating. That would be. (laughs) Uh, If I could do the same amount of whatever. And I actually, during the pandemic, would do this uh, over WhatsApp or over, you know, video conferencing with people. So-and-so would be doing whatever at their house and I'd be doing the similar type of action at my house. We just chatted up and we'd mindlessly be doing these things because we multitask like no one's business (laughs) and shit would get done. Yeah. You know? So it's that external, like you were referencing earlier, that external accountability, that external structure, that F of of the ADD. Yeah. The... Forget it, yet what can you harness to make it happen? Executive functioning. And so when I don't feel like my partner's accidentally treating me like a child and they're accidentally acting like a parent and I'm in trouble and they're holding my hand and all that stuff, then we're good. Yeah. But when we accidentally slip into that space, then it's bullshit. And how the hell do you get out of that? Especially when you're acting like a toddler. Right. Like (laughs) you kick and you scream and then you get pissy and then you like try to regain your adulthood and like, I'm an adult and I can do whatever I want to. Yeah. And I know it's like, it's so interesting hearing, hearing you say these things because in this scenario, when you're in that space and then you're mad, like Mm. I can, I'm As you're speaking, I'm putting myself in that scenario, Mm. and I'm getting pissed. Pissed. Like, don't tell me what to do. Yeah. You're not my dad. You're not my mom. Like, who, you know? Who the fuck do you think you are? Who the fuck do you think you are? Oh, wait, I invited you into my life and you love me? (laughs) Oh, that's who you are. But the, like, I feel like the difference is, you know, that, that presence in that space. And, and without it, there's this, like, automatic... Just like fight mode. Yes, fight you know? mode. Exactly. Like, like the bulldog's just how like, I'm going to tear you up. Yeah. You how know? do I diffuse myself so that I'm available to what he's trying to offer me? 
and yeah. he's not dictating. So clothes, my closet, my closet is in our office on the, on the top of the stairs. You go up the stairs, you come through the office, you get to our bedroom. The bedroom is our sanctuary. It's lovely. Mm-hmm. It actually could be more lovely now that I think of it, but, but it is lovely. <laughs> And so to have my clothes spilling out of a closet in the office before you get to mm. the bedroom and him having to step over a few things before he gets to the sanctuary sometimes doesn't feel good for him. Right. And I'm like, well, if you had given me the closet in our bedroom, that wouldn't be a problem. Oh. But anyway, <laughs> so there's that. And so we decided one day he was like, okay, let's do your clothes, babe. In fact, my daughter asked me a year and a half ago, what do you want for your birthday? Oh, will you do my clothes with me? Mm. It's not because I need somebody to sit there and tell me which clothes I'm keeping and giving away. I don't. I just need my external structure, my my exoskeleton. Ooh, <laughs> I'm liking this. Um, it, there with yeah. me to say, you know. And so when we did it together, he and I, he was literally in the bedroom talking to his family, playing on, you know, playing FIFA 2022, <laughs> like whatever he wanted to do. And I and he was like, "What time are you gonna finish?" Like, and having someone like, "Come on, come on, what time? Here's a deadline. We got it. Let's go." That's that's exciting for a, for someone with this neurotypical brain. <laughs> okay. Oh my God, it's a game. Here we go. Yeah. Gotta Woo! do it. And then I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I didn't do this. I didn't do this." And so then when I get to the place and I'm catching myself and I'm checking myself, I go, "Oh, I don't need this many pants, right? Nope. Uh, this dress is old, but I loved it." Oh, I love it too. Keep it. You know, like someone to play off of. Mm-hmm. If I was to do it alone, I probably wouldn't hold myself there. Right. Not because, I don't know why, not because I'm a sissy, not because I can't do it, but because other things are calling my attention. They're more pressing. Who needs to sit there all day and go through your clothes? That's so boring and not important in the big scheme of things. Are also, we're both things. We're big picture. And we're detail. Yeah. Big picture or detail, whichever mode we want to be on. Just like what you just said about it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Uh-huh. It both doesn't, but also it's everything at the same right? time. You know? That's the thing. It's like, everything. That's your Every home. That's your space. Builds your life. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. You so, know, like I, it hearing you talk about almost having a witness to you mm. or, or an anchor. You're, mm. It's, it's like, an anchor. It's an what anchor. can you tether yourself to? to it's a focus. presence because, mm. and it's not that there's not an internal presence because obviously there is. There's an internal is. presence. But obviously. It is but it's flowy and lovely. Yeah. And there's a lot of things happening on top, mm. a lot of emotions, a lot of brain activity, mm. you know? So I think it's really interesting that you have a physical person mm. or virtually, but someone somewhere that is your anchor so that you can, you can be present. Let me give you one more example of an anchor through authority. College. I'm finally diagnosed. The only reason I'm diagnosed is because I bargained an extension with my professor who said, I'll give you this extension for the second time or something if you go see someone about your stuff. And I'm like, what stuff? Mm. And they're like, obviously there's stuff happening if you need a second extension for whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I literally just was like, whatever, I'll play along. And then I found a counselor a ways away. So I got to bike in the city to the counselors. That was so fun. And I'd always get like this Japanese seaweed salad <laughs> from this place across the way. It was a treat. And then I would just like stone face this woman. Like, whatever, I don't need you. I'm just here because. Yeah. Which is funny because I actually like love counseling now and but familiar culturally in my family counseling was shown as a weakness all these things right so layers we all have these layers and the biggest thing that holds anyone back probably whether you have ADD or not is shame it's that shame cycle of like Uh god I'm shit what is my problem what is wrong with me yeah and if you guilt yourself or shame yourself you can't move forward in any way right So you really got to get fluid with that stuff. But the point of this story being, okay, mm, 1920, diagnosed, not taking medicine, just knowing, hearing about it, learning about myself, feeling relieved that I'm not a total moron. Mm. Like, oh my gosh, you mean all those things that were hard for me all those times and all those times that I cried and, you know, what, on the, on the, 
behind the curtain of the stage in the gym in fourth grade when I didn't finish my multiplication sheet on time and they were going to give me detention for the first time, even though I'm a quote unquote good student and a good person, you know? Yeah. Like all that stuff floods back and I didn't actually figure how to manage any of this till years later, till Anda was born, my 13 year old. And that started that journey. But in college, the external structure was my professor's office Mm. after hours. Mm. So I didn't need the person. Mm -hmm. She just knew, I knew that she knew that I would be in her office. Mm -hmm. I sat at her desk of the professor the assignment was due for. I just sat at her desk, put my stuff on top of her stuff, and I would go there for a couple hours after 5 p.m. after she left, and I would be there. And that was my structure holding place. Isn't mm, that fascinating? That is. It, that was my anchor. You're like tapping into the tapping energy. Tapping into the energy of authority and accountability. Yes. Yeah. That mm-hmm. accountability piece, mm-hmm. I think, is really big. Mm-hmm. And checking back in later. Yesterday I went. Today I didn't go. This mm-hmm. is why, but I'm going to go again the next day. And reporting it out. Mm-hmm. The follow-up. Really key. This whole conversation is really highlighting for me the importance of that not only structure, but just the community with other people, Mm. having people who are on your team, Mm. having people who are able to be that external structure structure or that presence or that accountability, you know, just like... So you're not out there floundering, you yeah. know, in the depths of your own universe. You've Smart. got someone who's yes. just like... So true. Community. Like my one... I have a VA, a virtual assistant. This one person who mm. I don't know that well, she keeps me accountable because mm. I expect her to be accountable with me. Mm-hmm. And then I expect myself to be accountable to her. When it was just me, I could make every excuse, you know? Mm -hmm. I could be flexible with myself. This doesn't need to get done. Months later, it's still not done. You know, I've been talking about having a podcast, and I've recorded episodes of, like, a different podcast, like, years in the making, you know? Right. But now I have someone Mm -hmm. who, who, you know, believes in what I'm doing because she's working with me, you know? And I believe in what I'm doing. And having that... Like, yeah, that external yeah. accountability, I yeah. think, is so important in any in any venture, mm-hmm. in any relationship. Support, community, relationship. I mean, that's what they say about addicts, is anybody um, who's struggling with any kind of addiction, you know, they used to say hereditary and genes and whatnot, and now when you really get down to it, it's relationship, mm. lack of meaningful relationship. Yeah. And I'll speak to that in the sense that my best move, it was awesome. My best move historically, when now looking at it, I get exactly what it is and why I thrive so well there, was when the girls were young, I lived in community at a peace house, at a community house with three other adults who owned the building, um, maybe a... 60 year old a 50 and two 50 year olds and my young children and myself and then there were a couple other people who would flow in and out as renters Mm -hmm. um, of varying ages and places the structure and accountability that came with reporting to community neutrality that wasn't close relationship like sexual partner or life partner yeah um you know, respecting community spaces, um, even just the rhythm and flow of energy, meaning I was I was not stagnant there. Yeah. I could get stagnant like crazy if I was on my own, um, just all in my head, all that stuff, you know, can't get out of my own way, um, dishes piling up, whatever. And yet just to have someone else moving around their life in my arena inspired me to do it. I I feed off that energy of Mm -hmm. others in such a brilliant way. Mm -hmm. And luckily, it's it's a reciprocal relationship, but um, it's a beautiful one when we can 
support each other and ourselves in community to thrive or be our best selves. So that is totally awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Who? <laughs> yeah. Well, I know that we're starting to come up on time. Um, and I want to first thank you for opening up and talking about this. I feel like we could talk about this yeah. for a long time. Yes, we'll do podcast episode 235. We'll, we'll reunite. Yeah, we'll hopefully sooner than that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, just um, just to conclude, I'd love to ask you what, uh, briefly, if you can, what is the biggest thing or what's what's the one thing that's made the biggest impact on you being someone with a neurodivergent brain? Whether it be a lesson or an experience, like what has impacted you the most in perhaps a positive way? Mm. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the question. Let me think a bit. What jumps out is medication. I was unmedicated (laughs) for so long and truly, um, you know, I'm someone who appreciates some holistic living. Um, Medication has seemingly rocked my world. But I would say the motivation of having my children and wanting to set a good example, wanting to walk the walk, mm. wanting, seeing their neurodiversity and all their potential and wanting to offer them strength and resource and um, love and, and, and acceptance around being exactly who they are And that knowledge, I mean, learning, just learning about our own brains, no matter what type of brain we have, whether we label it neurotypical or neurodiverse, however we operate, knowing ourselves better helps us show up better for everyone in our lives. And when we show up our best selves, everything changes. I mean, you want to go small scale or big scale. I mean, wars end when people show up. Mm-hmm. as their best selves, right? Um, love prevails. You know, hate melts away. And the feeling of thoroughly accepting yourself in a way that doesn't compare to stereotypical societal standards that's freedom. Yeah. And I think that having my children, I can do anything for my children. Mm-hmm. They're my external, <laughs> they're my FADD. They're, they're my external functioning only because I have to, right? I guess I don't have to. There are plenty of quote unquote dysfunctional, you know, struggling, sad, depressed families out there bumping against each other. Yeah. But to ease that, like, and I'm not even, I wouldn't even, you know, I, I don't even identify as like some super mama bear. Do you know what I mean? But simply the joy and amazement I get from learning more about who my children are and then showing up for them in my best way is, I think that's my, those are my moments of like, okay, you're struggling that means I got to get my shit together. I got to take care of myself. I need self-care and I need to show up and use all my strategies because when you see me doing that, you feel safe and secure to figure out your own shit. Yeah. And when you can figure out your own stuff, especially as a young person, whew, the world changes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. beautiful. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. It is. It is beautiful. Um, one last thing that I want to share that's related to what you just said, we were at uh, a birthday party a few weeks ago, and 
your youngest, the two-year-old who just turned two, was keeping herself afloat in the pool mm. for the first time. And she's wearing floaties, but she was mm-hmm. doing it herself. Mm. And I looked over at you and the joy mm-hmm. and the love that was just like radiating from you was so beautiful. So just like, wow, beautiful. <laughs> and I feel like that was the first time I saw you like, yeah, you know, it was just yeah, so much love and radiance in this pride and this mm-hmm. like, you go, like you, you can do it. it. You got it. It's the best. It was so beautiful it's to witness. It's the best to see the ones you love really take themselves on. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. take themselves on. And, and to have that environment, that safety, that location, that support system and community around me to, like, parent the way that I want to parent, to, to let them, to let my daughter struggle yeah. a little, right? Like, it can be scary. Mm-hmm. To, oh, oh, you went under. Oh, you went under. Oh, shit. Look, you're doing it. Yeah. You know? To give the space and the time and the trust, the ebb and flow, and the attention. Mm-hmm. The attention of when is too much and when's not enough, right? Thank you. Yeah, thank you for noticing. That was awesome. It was awesome. It was a good day. Yeah. So if people want to find you and reach out to you, how can they How can they do that? Yeah. At this point, um, I do my work mostly by word of mouth. And I can be contacted at my email address, which is my name, amanda.hoig, H O. A is an apple, G is in girl at gmail.com. And I'll link that in the show notes. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. This awesome. is amazing. I appreciate you. I appreciate you too. Thank you so much for joining me today and listening to this conversation. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a great review on your streaming platform and don't forget to turn on notifications for our next episode drop. If you learned anything, please share the love with a friend and tag me on Instagram at sourcemagnified. Find us on our website at sourcemagnified.com where we have all of your breathwork and mindfulness needs covered. Have a blessed day. Talk to you soon. Ciao.